Hello, this is Dr. Pen Shenqian, the editor in chief of Heart Rhythm. The first article of the May 2023 issue is titled "Anterior Mitral Line in Patients with Persistent Atrial Fibrillation and Anterior Scar: A Multicenter Matched Comparison." The My Line Study. The benefit of anterior mitral line in patients with persistent atrial fibrillation and anterior atrial scar under ablation has never been investigated. 186 patients were selected and divided into two matched groups. Bidirectional conduction block was achieved in 95% of anterior mitral line. After median、uh, follow-up of two years, AFAT recurrence occurred. In 29% of the patients in anterior mitral line group versus 48% with no anterior mitral line group, the authors conclude that anterior mitral line, in addition to standard treatment, was associated with improved AFAT-free survival compared to standard treatment alone. The second article is titled "Electrocardiographic and Electrophysiological Characteristics of Ventricular Arrhythmias from Right Bundle Branch." Of the moderator band, 16 patients with MBRBBB ventricular arrhythmias and five patients with right ventricular anterior papillary muscle ventricular arrhythmias were studied under the guidance of intracardiac echocardiography. The authors found that the QRS morphology of MBRBBB ventricular arrhythmia is characterized by a typical left bundle branch block pattern with a relatively narrow QRS complex, short R wave, and small R large S durations, and a sharp S wave downstroke without notching in leads V1 and V2. Mapping and ablation of the leading RBB potential are effective in eliminating ventricular arrhythmias. Up next is very long-term outcomes of atrial fibrillation ablation. The authors followed 5,200 patients undergoing 7,145 ablation procedures. Atrial fibrillation freedom at 5, 10, and 15 years was as follows: initial du-、uh, ablation, paroxysmal AF was 67.8, 56.3%, and 47.6%, respectively. Persistent AF was 46.6%, 35.6%, and 26.5%, respectively. Long-standing AF was 30.4%, 18.0%, and 3.4%, respectively. The final ablation further improved the outcomes. Highest AF recurrence was in the first two years, with a two to fifteen-year recurrence of two percent per year. Success predictors after initial and final ablation procedures were younger age, smaller left atrium, shorter AF duration, male sex, less persistent AF, lower CHATS2 DS2 VAST score, fewer drugs failed, and more recent catheter era. The authors conclude that after year two, there is a two percent per year recurrence rate. For all AF types, ablation success is best in the contact force catheter era, intermediate in the open irrigation tip era, and worst in the solid big tip era. 
Coming up is radiotherapy-induced malfunctions of cardiac implantable electronic devices, a meta-analysis. The author searched the literature and relative publications until April 2022 for meta-analysis. The results suggest that ICDs are more likely to be affected by radiotherapy than pacemakers. The adverse events in patients with cancer were associated with neutron-generating radiotherapy and beam energy greater than or equal to 10 mV. Given the increasing requirement for radiotherapy in several patients with cancer as well as in increasing implantation rate of CIEDs, a better risk stratification is needed in this setting. The next paper is、uh, Instance and Management of Atrioventricular Conduction Disorders in New-Onset Left Bundle Branch Block After Transcaster Aortic Valve Implantation, a Prospective Multicenter Study. This was a prospective open-label study with 12-month follow-up that included 183 TAVI recipients. A high-grade AV conduction disorder was identified in 56 patients, or 30.6% at 12 months. His to-ventricle interval, greater than or equal to 70 milliseconds, was independently associated with the occurrence of a high-grade conduction disorder. The authors conclude that new-onset LBBB after TAVI was associated with high rates of high-grade AV conduction disturbances. The stratification algorithm provided safe and valuable aid to management decisions and reliable guidance on pacemaker implantation. Up next is functional characterization and identification of a therapeutic. For a novel SCN5A-F1760C variant causing type 3 long QT syndrome refractory to all guideline-directed therapies, the authors、uh, report an infant with severe long QT3 who was refractory to multiple pharmacological therapies as well as bilateral stellate ganglionectomy. The patient's novel variant. PF1760C-SCN5A involves a critical residue of NAV1.5's local anesthetic binding domain. Wholesale patch clamp was used to assess the sodium currents with or without lidocaine, flaconine, and phenytoin in TSA-201 cells and the CRISPR-Cas9 variant. Corrected isogenic control (IPSC) cardiomyocytes. The authors found that phenytoin rescued the electrophysiological phenotype (NAPD) of this novel variant. The anti-epileptic drug phenytoin may be an effective alternative therapeutic for treating long QT3, especially for variants that disrupt the lidocaine. Maxillotin binding site. The next article is "Standing Genetic Variation Affects Phenotypic Heterogeneity in an SCN5A Mutation Founder Population with Excess Sudden Cardiac Deaths." The worm study, ascertained from a multi-generation pedigree, 
segregating a single amino acid deletion in SCN5A is characterized by substantial phenotypic heterogeneity and overlap of sudden cardiac death, long QT syndrome, cardiac conduction disease, Bugatta syndrome, and isorhythmic atrial ventricular dissociation. Linkage analysis for a synthetic trait derived from these phenotypes identified a single peak at SCN5A, SCN10A, and SCN11A locus on chromosome 3. This study explored the role of additional genetic variation in the chromosome 3 locus as a source of phenotypic heterogeneity in the worm study population. The authors found that other variants alongside a pathogenic mutation are associated with phenotypic heterogeneity. Single mutation screening may not predict electrical heart disease in patients and family members. In the worm study population, segregating a pathogenic SCN5A mutation, compound variation in SCN5A, SCN10A, and SCN11A locus determines the arrhythmic outcome. The next paper is MIR448 regulates potassium voltage-gated channel subfamily A member 4, or KCNA4, in ischemia and heart failure. The author investigated whether microRNA448, or MIR448, was involved in the regulation of KCNA4 messenger RNA expression in ischemia. The authors found that the expression of KCNA4 is diminished in ischemia and human heart failure tissues with ventricular tachycardia. Previously, they have shown that the mere 44A is upregulated in ischemia and inhibition can prevent arrhythmic risk after myocardial infarction. The 3' untranslated region of KCNA4 has a conserved MIR-448 binding site. MIR-448 bound to the site reduced KCNA4 expression and the transient outward potassium current. Inhibition of the MIR-448 restored KCNA4. These findings showed a link between KV1.4 downregulation and MIR-448 mediated upregulation in ischemia suggesting a new mechanism for anti-arrhythmic effect of MIR-448 inhibition. Coming up is preclinical evaluation of a third-generation absorbable antibacterial envelope. The authors tested these envelopes in rabbit and sheep models with device implantation. Results show that the third-generation Pyrex absorbable antibacterial envelope demonstrated equivalent preclinical performance to the second-generation envelope. Antibiotic elution curves were similar. Elution was above minimal inhibitory concentration for seven days. Infections were reduced compared to no envelope and acceptance criteria for migration, rotation, and absorption were met. Next up is levosimendin attenuates electrical alternance and prevents ventricular arrhythmia during therapeutic hypothermia in isolated rabbit hearts. Levosimendin, a calcium sensitizer, 
has been reported to shorten APD by enhancing the adenosine triphosphate or ATP sensitive K curve. The purpose of the study was to test the hypothesis that during therapeutic hypothermia in Langendorf perfused rabbit hearts, levosimendin shortens the already short, uh, prolonged APD, attenuates spatially discordant alternance, and prevents ventricular arrhythmia. The results showed that levosimendin shortened ventricular APD and decreased spatially discordant alternance. These findings suggest that enhancing ATP-sensitive K-current with levosimendin might be a novel approach to preventing ventricular arrhythmia during therapeutic hypothermia. The above original research articles are followed by hands-on article titled How to Implant Leadless Pacemakers and Mitigate Major Complications. The authors state that implanting leadless pacemakers requires a special set of skills different from the skill set required for the implantation of traditional pacemakers. This article describes those skills in great detail. There are two creative concepts papers. The first one is titled Right Ventricular Cardiac Resynchronization Therapy in Patients with Right Ventricular Conduction Delay and Heart Failure. The authors conclude that the RVCRT has beneficial effects of RV function in adults with right bundle conduction delay and fading right hearts. The technique demonstrated a favorable safety profile at reasonably long-term favorable clinical profile. A second creative concept paper is titled Tiny Pacemakers for Tiny Babies. The authors described the implantation of a a specially designed pediatric implantable pulse generator in five newborn babies. There are research letters in this issue of the journal. The first one is titled Simplifying Follow-up of Left Bundle Branch Pacing Leads, Assessment of Left Bundle Branch Capture Using a Programmer Only. The authors conclude that detection of LBB capture by novel lead placements and a simplified algorithm using only a programmer is feasible and should facilitate follow-up of LBB uh, pacing leads. The second letter is factors predictive of spontaneous reversion of si- to sinus rhythm, findings from an integrated acute atrial fibrillation pathway. The authors conclude that hemodynamically stable atrial fibrillation patients with hypertension previous DC cardioversion or heart failure may warrant active management with early cardioversion in the emergency department, as timely reversion to sinus rhythm is less likely to occur spontaneously in these patients. Patients without these variables could potentially be managed in the community, thereby avoiding unnecessary hospitalization and cardioversion. The third letter is uh, titled The Lead Deformation of Stylet-Driven Lead in Left Bundle Branch Area Pacing. LBB area pacing using stylet-driven leads was found to result in more frequent lead deformation and fracture than LBB area pacing using luminous leads, most of which occurred during lead repositioning. The authors discussed how to prevent helix deformation and fracture during the procedure. 
The final letter is titled Reduction in Defibrillation Threshold by Modifications to the Subcutaneous Implantable Cardioverter Defibrillator Coil. The authors performed a finite element computer modeling study of subcutaneous ICD leads. They conclude that the modifications of SICD coil could substantially reduce DFT and result in clinical benefit to patients. This issue of the journal includes two articles of in memoriam. The first one is about Dr. Michael Rosen, a pioneer and a leader in cardiac electrophysiology. Dr. Rosen passed away on January 6, 2023, at the age of 84. A second memorial is devoted to Dr. Matthew Amoni, a young clinician scientist from South Africa and a recipient of the 2023 Outstanding Publication Award of the Heart Rhythm Journal. Dr. Amoni passed away on October 3, 2022. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. For Heart Rhythm, I'm Editor-in-Chief Dr. Pen Shen Chen.